Hey guys, welcome back to Bell's View, and I'm Bell. I know I've been gone for a little bit. I've just been going through some work and move transitions, but I'm back and I'm here to discuss the mid-season finale as well as my review of the first half of this season. In the episode, Julie and her father are talking and he wants her to go to college so she'll be able to get a job that can hold her over long term. But she's more interested in using her influential status to build a business off of it. So she ends up meeting with different brands and is able to potentially secure an endorsement. However, it doesn't go as planned when they see she's attended a protest. So now she's kind of at a standstill of, well, is she? am I just going to go from scratch and just build my brand and figure out how to make money just on my own? Or am I going to continue to look for these high-end brands, some that, you know, align with me to an extent, but don't want me to express my political views that are important to me. So there was that. In terms of Zoya and Obi, Zoya and Obi are still having rifts in their relationship. And when his mother, Helena Bergman, comes to town, it only drives a further wedge within their relationship. She's upset that he didn't even tell her that his mom was in town, that he didn't even introduce them. And because Julian dated him for years, she was like, it was the same thing with me. I actually had to track her down and introduce myself because like he was too scared to, which is weird. So taking her advice, Zoya goes to meet up with Helena to learn that Helena didn't even know her son broke up with his former girlfriend that she knew and actually end up inviting her to a dinner. At that dinner, it's Zoya, Aki, Aki and his parents, his father, who honestly looks like he could be his grandpa, great-grandpa, is the head of this multi-billion dollar right-wing media company. And Obi's mother's in attendance as well with Audrey. So it doesn't go smoothly. The parents have been friends for nearly two decades now. And although I understand that Zoya cares about different causes, she doesn't know how to read a fucking room. So Helena was talking about how her and and her husband are in the process of, you know, expanding their business. And part of that includes having a shelter demolished so they could gentrify it, right? Zoya felt the need to express her disdain with it. Again, I understand she's about supporting different causes. Her grandfather was big on volunteerism and her mother was big on supporting different causes as well. However, you are sitting at a table with billionaires who were raised in very wealthy families to maintain and expand that wealth so that it will last for a very long time. You are having a conversation with these people who have been wealthy and benefited off of capitalism for generations. When you look at Aki's dad, 
you can tell that Aki's dad looks like he's in his 60s and 70s. And he's actually had this business for like 40, 50 years. You can tell that he likely came from a privileged family who likely came from a privileged family. When you look at Otto Bergman and his mother, Helena, you can tell that they come from multiple generations of wealth. Like I'm talking like the Rockefellers type shit. I'm talking about people who attend Columbia University, whose great, 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 great grandparents played a role in building the university and founding the university. Like those people also tend to be the descendants of colonizers that have accumulated wealth through capitalism as well as other as well as other unethical methods like imperialism as well as slavery. That is who she was talking to about how oh I don't think this is right. Do you really think these people who are set in their ways are really going to be like wow, this young lady really made a point. No, they're not. They're going to hear you, but at the end of the day, they're going to keep doing what they want to do. Within that environment, it is all about image. It is all about maintaining and expanding your wealth so that your heirs can inherit that wealth and continue the family dynasty. Within that, there's always a lot of pressure and expectations to live up to the family name because oftentimes parents are looking at their children as their legacy to succeed, succeed, succeed them, you know? So I don't know why she thought she was doing something, you know, calling them out on their shit. I get calling them out on their shit, but no, this way. And then at the same time, it's like these people invited you to their dinner. Aki's dad, yeah, Aki's dad bought out the whole restaurant for them to have this private dinner. Because he's he's a he's a known like I'm pretty sure he's like the head of like a media conglomerate or something, so I can understand that she doesn't know how to read the room. However, Obi's ass should have told her before she even arrived. Look, I know that some of the things my parents are doing are questionable, but I need you not to go ham at this dinner. So they got into it after the dinner and um, she felt like, you know, he's just been full of shit. And I can see that he's been talking about, oh, if only these people could give this donation, it would help so many. Or, oh, I just came from giving donuts to protesters downtown. But then when it comes to those actually issue, those actual issues and you're in front of your mother, you, you ain't talking shit. You're just quiet. So that, that would make me think you're fake, too. But also understanding that it can be difficult to stand up to your parents. And even though what you need is that freedom and control, even as a teenager, like being afraid and intimidated that they'll disapprove. um, I, I get that. I can empathize with him in that way. But funny enough, that whole situation just brings him and Julian back together. She knows how he is when it comes to his mother. And you know what? I have to say this too. 
Helena Bergman was very great to see. I actually liked her. Like, yes, she's very privileged and she's very wealthy and she's very set in her ways. But she is the total embodiment of old money. And that's what I wanted. So hopefully in the second half, we get to see more of her. I find her character very interesting. Yeah, so this whole situation brings Julian and Obi together again. Even though Julian was trying to help, you could obviously see she still has feelings for Obi and cares about him. And they end up making out at a protest, which is crazy to me. It's crazy to me. He goes to the protest against demolishing the shelter so that his family's business can gentrify it. And his mother sees him and was like, I called the cops like, these people are acting crazy. Come on. And he's like, no. So he stays. You see the cops come. You see them drop the tear gas. Him and Julian run into some alley and end up making out. It's funny because in the first episode of this series, I didn't even see their chemistry. It took them breaking up in six episodes to see their chemistry. But I liked it. And it makes sense because Julian is in, the wor- in that world. She understands that world. She understands where Obi's mother is coming from. So, of course, there'll be a better match in that capacity compared to him and Zoya. But them making out in an alley during a protest, I don't know what made them, what, I don't know what made the writers say, yeah, let's do it this way. Because at protests, especially when you have law enforcement there, when they start releasing tear gas and shit, that's when they start doing some fucked up stuff. And some people who weren't attacking them who weren't being violent towards them, who were just protesting, end up being assaulted and or killed. So the fact that you picked this intense scene for them to run in an alley and make out, I kind of feel like it was a cop-out. Because to be honest, it reminded me of Kanye West and Jay-Z's No Church in the Wild music video, except the whole a couple running into an alley to kiss gives me very much like EDM music videos from like 2014 to 2016 vibes. Like if it was like a EDM slash pop music video from like Diplo and Skrillex. So I'm like, no, don't do that shit. Don't do that shit. Moving along, we have Audrey. Her mother's still in the hospital and she barely has left her side and Max and Aki have been a great support to her. Max was even nice enough to make her breakfast on his own and bring it to her to the hospital. Him and Aki were picking out which shirts to bring to her so she can have a change of clothes and we learned that Audrey's been being a bitch to the hospital staff so much so that not only the staff is complaining but so are the patients. But what I do like is that as her mother is recovering, she's taken accountability for her actions and admitted, I was trying to do all these things on my own and I overworked myself and 
Audrey was like, you need to tell me like when you need help. And she was like, okay, I need help. So I thought that was a cute moment. Here's the thing. I think I kind of have a bias towards Audrey. People were hyping her up so much before an episode even aired because she does look like Blair in a way. And her attitude kind of resembles Blair's attitude in the original series. And because Blair was such a great character and a fan favorite, I think I like had high expectations for her, even though I wasn't, I didn't know that I would have high expectations for her and she failed them in my mind. Like I can empathize with her because when a parent is sick and you have to step up to take care of them, that is a lot. There's a lot of compassion and empathy that goes in that into that, but it can also be mentally and emotionally exhausting. And then if someone is in a household where it's unstable and it's I, it's really just you and the parent, whether it's you living in a single parent household or you living in a two parent household where one parent is mentally and emotionally absent. So everything falls on the active parent. It's unfortunate, but sometimes the children in that environment feel that they have no other choice but to step up and provide some type of stability as they're watching things fall apart, as they're watching their parents' mental and emotional state fall apart and feeling that they need to compensate in ways that they shouldn't have to at all. And that too can be very mentally and emotionally draining. So I feel for her in that regard. However, she accidentally outed Aki to his parents at that damn dinner. And then when Zoya happened to come in the bathroom and see if she was okay, she was like, I can't believe I did that. It was a mistake. But you know what? I didn't want to leave the hospital. He wanted me to. He wanted me to come to the dinner. And I know it was her freaking out. But at the same time, it's like, you outed your boyfriend to his parents. And then you left the dinner and didn't even let him know that you accidentally outed him to your parent to his parents. Like, again, I know she's dealing with her mom and that's a lot. But she makes a lot of excuses. It's very difficult for her to take accountability for her actions until later on. So I didn't like that. Her and Max made up because they were on the out since they had slept together. And she invited him and Aki over for dinner because she really appreciated them being there for her um, during this sensitive time. I mean, Julian was supportive, but... Max and Aki were her ride or die in this moment. And I'd like to see their friendship between the three of them. So it ends with them deciding to do a threesome. So people are now wondering, are they going to officially be a thruple? We don't know. So people have been waiting for that because it was in the series promo trailer. But I find it somewhat questionable that the series 
showcases 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds engaging in a threesome. Now, some people can come for me and be like they did it in the original. But I'll tell you that. They did that in the original for pure shock value. And I remember watching that and I was like, this isn't even interesting. I feel like they just did this to continue to do their whole, we know that we push the envelope and we go too far and we're just going to keep doing that because that's our MO and we don't give a fuck. So I could get why a parent stumbles around, stumbles upon their 13, 14-year-old seeing Dan Humphrey, Vanessa Abrams, and Hilary Duff making out. But I don't know. I guess I didn't take that that seriously. Where at least with this one, they acted it out better. It's also for shock value. But then at the same time, maybe this thruple could work. Or maybe they, they have a friendship with benefits. I don't know. I just find that a little odd. I'm trying to see if I'm missing anybody. Oh, the fucking teachers. The fucking teachers. So, Rafa, he's a predator. He's a fucking pedophile. He was having an affair with Max. Max doesn't want to deal with him anymore. So now it's like he's harassing Max and posted some gossip to Gossip Girl that Max has a sexually transmitted um, infection. And I'm like, what? Why hasn't Max told his parents and got this dude fired? The way Monet got that teacher fired on the first day, why hasn't Max got Rafa fired yet? So... Max decides to clap back at him by posting a video of them being intimate. He keeps saying that, you know, Max is 17 years old and that's the age of consent in New York. But to be honest, I still don't buy that. I really don't buy that at all. Like, I'm still looking at that as child pornography. And the line that the other female teacher that's not Kate like what she said she was like it's better than all of my only fan subscriptions and i'm like girl are you really say first of all why would the writers write that line first of all who came up with that fucking line who approved that fucking line and teacher why would you consider your colleague having sex with a student more interesting than your OnlyFans subscriptions that I would imagine are adults having sex. I think that was a terrible line and a very problematic line. But now Rafa has access to Gossip Girl because he convinced Kate to let him help out some and deleted the video. So now it's like, how do you get Rafa off of there? And then in terms of Kate, Kate is seeing Zoya's dad. They're not dating. They've been hanging out. I don't like that they try, they've been trying to make this a thing. They have no chemistry. It's in, inappropriate that you're dating a student's father. And I'm also kind of thrown that Nick, who seems to have common sense, would make romantic advances at her. She essentially tells her origin story. She's always wanted to be a writer. She's always wanted to be famous. She's always wanted to be successful and different things that she tried when she was younger. 
she was never like exceptional at it and she's always wanted to be the best and stand out and get the validation for that and that she was always fearful of being ordinary but in a way that became her reality but she feels that her work now has a bigger purpose and she continues to write she was talking about Gossip Girl. He was thinking she was talking about her work as a teacher gives her purpose. I get that. I get that. You know, especially in Western society, we are to told we are told that we need to work hard. We need to be excellent. We need to be great 24-7. Um, that achievement is everything. Achievement is connected to success, which is connected to wealth and money and privilege which is connected to worthiness and which is connected to being exceptional and which is connected to validation that can help sustain that status that you have earned or gained as someone who works hard you know it's really what makes the world go round if you if you think about it so the idea of just being a regular person just ordinary that is that that is a hard pill to swallow because when when has ordinary been celebrated the only time ordinary is celebrated in western society is when it comes to white shows and white films you you don't really win and that's the other thing when it comes to um when it comes to success and achievement and and validation like you feel like you've made it you feel like you've made it some people have worked hard some people haven't worked so hard to get there but you feel like you've made it you've earned the status you have this power there's a, a safety or a sense of security in having this power and this status. And Kate got addicted to the power she has with the Gossip Girl account immediately. That's why every time something bad would happen and she's like, maybe we should shut this down. I didn't buy it because she has fake remorse. She is too addicted to the power high she gets from this. Her and the other teachers really think that they're like heroes or whatever, comparing themselves to Batman. And it just shows how delusional and pathetic they are, really thinking they're changing the world, which is crazy. It reminds me of season two of Unreal. It was a series on Lifetime that focused on behind the scenes of what really goes down on reality television but it was from the perspective of the producers and the showrunners and you saw how they would instigate behind the scenes to create rifts between the bachelor and the bachelorettes and to stir up drama between the bachelorettes in order to keep ratings high or increase ratings if they've experienced low viewership and I remember Rachel who was one of the main characters saying 
I got the first black suitor on national television. I'm changing the world. No. No. Like, that's how delusional she... That's how delusional they are. Like, we're changing the world with this Gossip Girl account. No, you're not. And I understand when we're dealing with our failures or our shortcomings in our personal lives or in our careers that that's a fucking hard pill to swallow to feel like you don't have a purpose that you haven't achieved much compared to people that you went to school with and friends that you failed that you're worthless and you don't want to feel worthless and because in society we're conditioned to earn validation to earn worthiness to earn respect earn power she has that power with gossip girl to an extent and unfortunately we sometimes project that feeling of unworthiness and insecurity and and worthlessness onto other people and that's what she's doing through gossip girl coming at Zoya, damn near almost getting her evicted, damn near getting her expelled from a school she just transferred to. Um, The fact that Gossip Girl has played a role in less fortunate kids who attend these private schools in Manhattan, being bullied not only in person, but being bullied even more on social media. So much so that that kid who brought a gun to school could have shot up that school. Am I saying Kate is to blame for that kid bringing a gun to school? No. But, girl, it's social media. People are cruel. He's probably being... uh, he, He probably was getting made fun of in person and then also being made fun of constantly on social media, which can be overwhelming and very unhealthy. So even though I get that feeling, there's no way in her story rationalizing what she's doing with this account. And it, there's, it's, it's no way to redeem her because she doesn't deserve redemption. And mark my words, there will be either existing characters or new characters that are introduced that will get to a place of mental and emotional instability so much so that Gossip Girl will play a role in someone inflicting self-harm on themselves or harming somebody else physically. And Kate will have a moment of guilt, but she'll keep going. And some of the things she said in this first half of the season about, no, I didn't want to get to this point, yada, yada. She'll make excuses to to say like, oh, I I can't believe that happened. But, oh, we didn't give him the gun. We didn't tell him to shoot anybody. We didn't tell him or her to jump off a bridge. And she by then, she'll look at it as a casualty compared to a greater purpose, a greater good, a greater vision. Kate is crazy. Even when you look in her eyes, you you know, people could easily fall for her petite little self and her little mousy voice. 
but but nah the, the the bitch is crazy the bitch is off so i'll say this about this episode this episode was the most underwhelming mid-season finale i've ever seen in my fucking life in episode five they had a costume party and there was different things happening there and i was like okay maybe they're finally going to ramp shit up because that was the best episode of the first half of this season so far one of their own betrayed them and dropped them um but this episode was lackluster compared to that. You've had six episodes to keep our interest, to make us invest in the show. And you haven't done that. And here's the thing. There are so many shows out there, and some of them that I've seen, where they started off slow, and then they ramped that shit up. Even though it's not a teen drama, I'm going to use Scandal as an example. Season one of Scandal was good, but it was a slow burn. We knew Carrie Washington, but we really didn't know anybody else on the show. Um, And by episode six, seven, we were like, oh, okay. And then season two, top notch, drama, drama, plot twist, plot twist. It just accelerated and took off, okay? Even though it's not a teen drama, it's still a drama. Power, power had seven to ten episodes in its first season we knew who Omari Hardrick and Naturi Naughton were but we really hadn't seen them in lead roles and we didn't know the rest of the cast and we knew 50 Cent it started off as a slow burn but it got more and more interesting and by episode eight episode nine you were like, oh, hell yeah. I, I don't even know what's going to happen next. I can't wait. And from there, it took off. It, they're not doing this here. They're, they're not doing this here. It should not be this slow burn. And you see a little uptick in episode five. And then it just goes back to this slow burn in episode six. Mind you, the second half of the season returns near Thanksgiving. I honestly don't know if I'll care by then. That's three months, and you gave me mediocre content. All of the issues that they have, they typically resolve in the same episode, and everyone's happy. And then it's like a little drama arises in the next episode, and then they resolve it, and they do it all over again. The cliffhangers that we have aren't even interesting enough to be like, I can't wait till November. Like, what? For example, Julian and Obi possibly getting back together because they cheated on Zoya. Like, even though that's interesting and it's messy, I'm not like, I can't wait to see what happens if they're back together. I wonder if this means Zoya and Julian are on the outs again as sisters when they've been trying to build this relationship with one another throughout the entire season. That's not interesting enough. Audrey, Aki, and Max, the thruple. I get why that would be interesting to the target audience. I'm more so interested in seeing how the dynamic changes because they clearly all 
are physically attracted to each other and they care for each other as friends. So I am interested in seeing that dynamic. But am I like, OMG, I can't wait till three months from now to see that? No. Or even the fact that the endorsement deal JC got fell through because she refused to withhold her political beliefs on certain platforms of hers and i get that with the business that they have a certain target audience stakeholders that have certain political views and anybody who they align themselves with who's supposed to be a representation of them could be a threat to that it's not right so she's like fuck it i just won't do it so now what is she going to do Is she just going to strike out on her own? Is she going to look for more socially conscious brands? But that's not that interesting to wait three months from now either. Or, you know, what's going to happen with Zoya and Julian? Are they still going to be building their relationship or will they not be speaking? It's not interesting enough. One thing that's somewhat interesting, Monet was not in this episode. So it's like, where the hell was she? We know she attends that school. I know in a recent article, Josh Safran, who's the um, executive producer, said they will be exploring more of Monet's backstory in the second half, which I'm fine with. Because to be honest, she is the first like pretty mean black girl I've seen since Dion Davenport. And Clueless, the series, ended... 22 years ago Monet Dahan is the first pretty mean black girl who is rich that I've seen in 22 years so I am going to hold on to that for dear life because I need her to win I need her to continue to stir shit up and to get what she wants so I am interested in seeing that But again, why was she not in this episode? We know she attends that school. And then I'm trying to think, I like in regards to Rafa having access to Gossip Girl, I don't really care. I don't know why he hasn't been arrested yet. They should have him arrested. Yeah. So overall, this first half of the season was... Okay, like if it, uh, like scale of one to 10, I'd honestly give it like a four to five because not many interesting things took place. Not many interesting things took, it kind of moves slow and it can be boring. And I expected more. And no, I wasn't expecting them to do exactly what the original did. But I was expecting them to do more. And I think it's a failure on the showrunners and the creators and the writers part. Because how dare you have like this slow ass fizzle for six episodes and then expect audiences old and new who were invested in the original and invested in this more modern version to be just as interested in three months now do i think they have things in the works for the second half that will make it more interesting yes but you didn't provide content or storylines 
or enough drama that has me on the edge of my seat. So that's what I have to say. Tell me what you think. What did you think of this midseason finale? What have you thought about this series so far? Are you going to watch when it comes back in November? Are you not? Let me know at Bell in Progress, B-E-L-L-E in Progress on Twitter. That's at Bell in Progress, B-E-L-L-E on Twitter. Anyway, thanks guys for listening and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.